Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Today on the show, um, I have uh, my former neighbor. He used to live right next door to me. Um, he has since moved a couple blocks away. Um, but uh, he uh, works with the organization Leaders Igniting Transformation as their community and development associate organization uh, that promotes an equitable society with an emphasis on the youth. Um, and uh, he brought some cake here, which I'm really excited to divulge into. He used to be a, yeah, he was a public ally as well. Um, so I'd like to talk to him about his social justice activism and uh, why he's passionate about everything he is and the work he's doing. So, Evan Froyland, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You bet. How are you doing today, Evan? How was your day? It was good. I slept late. Um, I had a meatball sandwich from Scaradina. Oh, it's delicious. I haven't been there yet, actually. It's really good. And it's right on the corner, too. And then I went and spent the afternoon hanging out with my mom's house. Hanging out at my mom's house with my mom and my dog. Very nice. And we watched Marriage Story. Cool. Which is the new new Netflix movie, Noah Baumbach movie. It was, it was, it was alright. Solid, solid Sunday, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. Very nice, man, uh, for sure. Um, yeah, uh, it's weird, like, because when I, um, over the summer when I moved here in June, I remember, like, I saw you, like, out on the street, like, going to your car. I'm like, oh, what's up, Evan? And you're like, this is your house? I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I live next door. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. Uh, who are you living with now? I'm living alone for the first time in my life. Wow. Um, which has been interesting. I I think like the, you know, it's kind of by circumstance in a way, like, you know, my, I had two roommates living next door. One of them was moving to Madison. The other one just like had another situation with, you know, had another living situation set yeah. up. And so it's just kind of like, I was, you know, I had to make a decision like, okay, I could make effort to find some roommates, find a place. Um, which like you know I very well could have done, but I was like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this out, and I think like in part because I felt like there's not gonna be a time in my life where I'm more motivated to do it than I am now. But I think it might, you know, was viewing it as an experience worth having. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been interesting. It's like a real yeah. Spending a lot of time alone yeah. gets you. It can be. It can be it can be a little rough sometimes, but um, I think um, it's I think it's the experience I've wanted it to be. So well, that's good. Yeah, good for you. Um, yeah, I um, I can definitely imagine that. I mean, like I'm pretty introverted by nature myself, but at the same time, like I like having company when it's there, mm -hmm. and it does. You know, living by yourself adds a lot of dimension of more responsibility and independence. But um, well, good for you. Uh, being uh, living is it a, is it like a studio? Uh, it's a duplex. So duplex. I live upstairs. Oh it's, sure. It's a yeah. I mean, it's a bedroom and a living room. And cool. So uh, yeah, tell me what kind of cake we've got here. Got a couple layers. Um, I see. 
I already forgot. Some kind of chocolate marble sort of thing. Oh, yeah. I wish I made it. That would have been a real, a real flex to show up with cake that I made. Well, the point is you showed up with cake, and that is in in its in itself, um, very very. Uh, I appreciate it. It is awesome. I don't normally eat on the show, but I love to spice things up. So, fantastic. Thank you so much. It's really good. I think it'll create better conversation. So. Oh. Yeah. I agree. Um, so what we talk about in Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. We met in Com 101 at UWM, which was about uh, almost four years ago. Damn, that was a long time ago. Um, that was a really good class. I did really like that class. But um, yeah, you were we, we had class and then I would see you just kind of like randomly in different places i would see you in the shore metro market from time to time because i used to work there yeah um i would see you down on the street whatever but then like uh um we reconnected uh earlier this year through our mutual friend uh a wonderful Addie lipson shout mm -hmm. out to Addie, uh a good friend she is um a really wonderful soul um and I'm like, dude, I see all the work you're doing uh, with um, LIT and just, you know, how outspoken you are uh, on social media. I know that you um, you confronted uh, people uh, in, uh, like, education, in the education system over here in Sherwood uh, in a really unapologetic way that was really brave of you. Yeah, like, I, I've just been seeing you, you know, really uh, trying to combat white supremacy and, and, you know, just racism in these really, really, like, amazing ways. So, I wouldn't have known that about you when I first met you until, like, I, you know, we were connected on social media. Yeah, um... What was, what was that exactly, uh, just to bring I think, context I to think it? I think what you're talking about, there was a, there's, like, a Sherwood community Facebook group called Sherwood is talking about, and there's like 2,000 members, and they're just, I, I was only in that group for a, a brief time, but they kind of, you know, they shoot the shit in that group, they uh, complain about, just they, they complain about trivial Sherwood happenings, sure. so, you know. White suburbia. Yeah, it's like, the oh, the new bank opened, and the... Um, the the drive through isn't wide enough, and we're gonna rail about it all day. Um, all, all very trivial things, and I think I just like noticed one day that there's you know like two thousand plus members, and that all of the moderators happen to be white people, and and also you know I had just spoken to some other folks that had had experiences where, like, they've raised issues of racism, equity, whatever it be, within the group, or within Shorewood, and they were silenced, kicked out of the group, uh, you know, just not engaged with in a real way, ever. Right, um, right. yeah. yeah. And I, I, I just, like, made a post in the group that was just like, hey, all of these people are white. How come? And, you know, well, first of all, like, it, it never even, like, it was never posted in the first place because they, you know, it has to get approved before anyone sees it. But once, you know, like I, I 
it was it was not approved and then you know I but I, I posted about it on my own page and I was like trying to message the moderators of the group to be like hey how come this wasn't engaged with how come you know I, oh and I was kicked out of the group like when that happened too um, yeah with that said that's you know that was what a year, that was more than a year ago now mm-hmm. um, I think that something that I was missing in that in that whole situation was that like I was in a position to to take take an approach that wasn't so combative like being a white person I'm in the position that I could have you know came from a less confrontational sort of perspective and like you know even even though I would have you know been biting my tongue on some things and would have had to like work towards addressing what the issue was there like I, I think that there there's a there's always there's always a balance that needs to be found, particularly for for in, with white people addressing other white people, like mm-hmm. just calling out and like distancing yourself, distancing myself from, and not not doing a call out that's gonna be in a way that is engaged with. Like I, I don't think I actually have the expectation that they would you know they would there would be a positive response. Uh, right, yeah. Because you were called a brat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was funny. Like it was, it was, it was funny in a way. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because it just shows how fragile people are when they're confronted with a real sociological issue, such as the one you were raising a question about. Yeah, and they, a, they didn't even uh, allow you you a platform. And B, yeah, like they, uh, you know, what you do when uh, you're confronted by some, you, you, you call them a name, and it really shows them. It really shows you, it really shows them that they ought not to fuck with you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I do, yeah, for sure. At least so you, I, start, you started the conversation, though, which is incredibly right. brave. So, I grew up in Shorewood. Uh, you know, when I, I moved right. there when I was nine, and you know, all throughout high school, um, and you know, I'm, I'll be 23 in March, and you know, but since high school, for the most part, I haven't like really been very actively engaged in the Shorewood community, um, and so like pretty much since then, or like shortly thereafter, like I've, I've kind of, I haven't really like engaged within you know, within, within the Shorewood community in a real way and some of the, there is some like equity work happening there. Um, and my feeling is like, I either, you know, I either like really dive into it and like, that is something that's a a big part of my, my, my life, my focus, my work, Mm -hmm. or, you know, I'm not gonna, I don't want to be halfway into a space because I think that like the, the relationship building is really important and like if I'm not there to do that kind of thing like so as it stands like I, I'm that is not that is not where my work is it it but but I but I think that in a way it needs to be and so mm-hmm. that's something that I'm 
been thinking about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. So on that note, um, yeah, uh, I guess like I'd love to hear a little bit about where I guess sort of like your passions and yearning for change that uh, or just involvement in community organizing and social activism that you do. Uh, where did that kind of, I guess, like start manifesting for you? Where did you start finding like that passion for it? Sure. So, um, I think growing up, like I always, there was always a part of me that like knew I had a like deeper connect, deeper capacity to connect with people than I, you know, than, than I, than I was, than I, the ways I was connecting with people growing up. And I guess like one of the first, kind of the first things that kind of led me to what you're sort of talking about is um, when I was like my senior year of high school, I like really fell in love with the local music scene here. And I was going to lots of shows at the time and I started like writing some blog posts about it. And like through that I met some, you know, folks who were kind of doing some some similar work and uh, really, you know, like seeing a neat, you know, I recognize like, oh, like there's something really cool here and there's not enough attention. Like it's, it just deserves a lot more attention. Yeah. And so, you know, I, that was in, re I, I don't think I thought of it that way at the time, but like in retrospect, I think of that like, oh, I, rec I like recognize the community need in a way and like, you know, a team of me and a couple other folks like built this blog, music blog called Explain that nice. we ran for a couple of years and that was a really cool way to, you know, I was much like you, I was interviewing a lot of folks, um, talking to different musicians, artists, creatives, and just like really elevating people's voices. Um, and I was like definitely struck by the interconnectedness of it all. It's like, you know, everyone knows each other. Everyone's supporting each other, going, going to people's shows and stuff like that. And like that, that, um, that sense of community was like very appealing to me. I think like that was, I was starting to feel some of the, the deeper connection that I always knew I had the capacity for. Um, and then from there, the, you mentioned Public Allies. Public Allies is a, is a leadership development program that's really focused on um, making Milwaukee a city that its leadership repre represents, you know, the, the makeup of the city. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Milwaukee is majority of people of color, but the, the you know, the leadership of the city does not look that way. It's right. not reflected at all. Yeah. Um, and so it's, you know, the way the public hours works is you're, everyone is placed in like a different community organization somewhere throughout the city doing uh, what they call capacity building work, which is basically like, you're not, you're not an intern. You're, you're, you're really there and you are, um, your, your work there is to build some capacity in the way of like building a new program or building some type of infra infrastructure so that something is there that was not there when you arrived. Um, and then beyond that, you know, we would convene every Friday, all 40 of us in this cohort, uh, to do some learning together, to build community together, um, and yeah, to kind of build our leadership. Uh, 
and that was a really like I, I love Pub Gallows Milwaukee so much. Um, it was a really amazing experience for me, yeah. and like I think I, I really I, I you know I could talk about what I learned for for hours and hours. Like totally. Uh, so beyond Pub Gallows, like what what did you work until beyond that? Sure. So. Um, and well, and I think, you know, you kind of ask like, why? And like, uh, not, uh, I was going to say not to be bleak, but like really to be, to be bleak, like the world kind of sucks and like, yeah. like not even, not, you know, I, I think that it the, does, man, it does the, what has evolved for me that like really, uh, has really like shifted my, you know, shifted my perspective on the world really is like that, you know, I think that my first wanting to get involved in social justice, whatever you want to call it, like was from a place of not being so connected to it and be like wanting to be the help and wanting to help other people. But now I definitely like see my liberation is very tied to you know, the liberation of the most marginalized folks. Um, and the last couple of years have been so transformative for me. And like the way that I think about the world and like the, you know, the, the people that I have the privilege of engaging with and like the, you know, the, the readings that I'm like making and intentionally yeah. engaging with things yeah, like that, sure. um, have really just like, I don't know. I, I, I was definitely a couple years or so ago, like someone who was very angry a lot of, about a lot of things. It's just like, wow, so many injustices. It's a lot easier to identify issues than solutions. Um, That's true. That's such a key thing. And I think, you know, I've, I'm, I feel closer to solutions in some ways, but also, um, in particular, recently, I've, I've, I think like a point of growth has been feeling really comfortable with like being conflicted with myself and li with like being wrong and with not knowing. Um, yeah. yeah, that's real. I've been this whole past year has been sort of that exact thing for myself, like a comfortability with knowing that we are so blind as white cisgendered men. Um, we're blind to a lot of realities that we'll never fully um, capture because, you know, we just don't have certain identities that, um, you know, marginalized folks have been uh, to this day, you know, we're still committed heinous uh, injustices against. Um, but I think, yeah, you nailed it with the, the solutions rather than simply issues because you can you know like any one of us can be a keyboard warrior and say this is wrong that's wrong you know like let's mm -hmm. like like the world needs a change you know but what real uh, you know what real impact are we making you know we can have the intent but the impact is what really like has lasting value, and that's where the the organizing comes in. Right. And 
Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I can talk about. I, I guess get into talk about kind of some of the work that I'm involved yeah, in now. Please yeah. Please do. Yeah. Um, sure. And you know, you, you you reached out to me. I think like the the, the idea of doing this podcast together a couple months like, ago yeah. a couple months ago and I and I had to sit on it because like at the time I was you know still I, I relatively like new in my role at lit and like um, kind of skeptical about like my ability to talk about it given like my position there um, so lit is an organization that like really centers young young people of color and you know, I I am not centered in that. My but my, my role there is to really constantly not center myself. Correct. Um, yeah, and true. so yeah. I yeah, I just like felt weird about talking about it, but I, I I'm a lot more comfortable in it now. Yeah. So totally. um, it takes a lot of humility, man. Yeah, I mean I just don't want to I am not. I don't represent the organization. Right, right, I do, right. and I don't. Um, you know, but okay. So yeah, but people should know about lit, and people should give money to lit because it's you know they're doing really amazing, important work. Um, yeah, most definitely. Lit was founded about two years ago. It's a youth of color-led kind of political organizing, community organizing. Um, political home mm -hmm. um, and they you know we do a lot of different work around um, you have a number of campaigns so the the really the biggest focus in the last year has been our uh, freedom to thrive campaign which is um, basically like looking to dismantle the school to prison pipeline with an MPS oh, yeah. um, we see that in Milwaukee, and I mean really around the country, but like particularly in Milwaukee, there are glaring statistics where like, for example, 53% uh, of students in the district are um, black, and 80% of the suspensions of, of are of black students. It might be just students of color. I might be wrong on that. So. Um, and you know a whole there's like a whole array of numbers that just show that the district is like terribly inequitable mm -hmm. totally um and so you know young people have and and young people are young people of color are the ones most affected by this you know the way that the school is structured and investing so much into Policing students into criminalizing students, while the the resources that students really need, um, mental health resources, quality nutrition for yeah. for lunch, and really like schools should have three meals a day. Um, yeah, you know, like culturally relevant curriculum. So we're not students aren't reading textbooks from the nineteen sixties written by white men. Um, They're not reading about colonizers. And glorifying colonizers, right? Rather than overlooking oppression, yeah. Right, and so that well, and that's another kind of another part of what we do is like the education piece, and so like you know we talk about uh, who who really was Christopher Columbus, and like what is the real origin story mm -hmm. of this country, right. um, and I mean that that education is like really empowering. It's it's Definitely. it's radical, um, and so. 
Yeah, the the young people of Lit have put together a what what is called the Youth of Power Agenda, which is a set of a set of demands that is really a vision to make schools the positive educational experience that it should be, um, which involves things like removing cops from schools and suspensions, suspensions and expulsions. Um, removing metal detectors, all, all of the sort of ways that mm-hmm. students are com- criminalized, infrastructures within the schools, and replacing that with things like, you know, kind of like I was just talking about, like mental health counselors, right, culturally yeah. relevant curriculum, all, all these like positive resources that are, that are not being invested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had really huge success in our organizing awesome. this year. There's been almost a million dollars uh, divested from criminalized students, criminalizing students put into, um, you know, the resources I was just talking about, and that's like directly because of the organizing of these young people. That's great. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Good for you guys. That's that's really dope. Yeah, it's it's you know it's exciting that um, it's exciting that there's momentum. Like yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it's definitely. It's definitely also, oftentimes, you know, we it's like we get a victory. Okay, you know, for example, it was a couple months ago. All right, they they blocked this two hundred two hundred seventeen thousand dollar contract for metal detectors, and then, you know, it's turning around the next day to be like, all right, we're, we we got to keep at it. What's you know what's next? Um, and right. so to like take really take those victories as, you know, they're, they're not small. But the, in the grand scheme of things, you could say they're small. Um, right. But to but to really take those victories as not small because yeah, for sure. Yeah. To not uh, to not uh, resort to complacency. Yeah. To yeah to to use those victories as a momentum, as as a motivation, as a uh, you know uh, continued uh, as an affirmation of the work that you guys are doing that you're causing real change in your community. Um, but it's one of many changes that needs to be made. And because the system is so broken, I mean, broken in the sense where like it's working the way it's supposed to because the capitalism is actually working exactly how it's supposed to, mm-hmm. which is a b- broken, inequitable, and also intense, like, marginalizing system by nature there's just so much to undo so yeah man I mean uh, it sounds like you know there I mean of course like there will always be work to be done by by us um, both inside and outside of your organization but yeah man I mean it's it's something to be proud of but at the end of the day it's motivation to keep doing the work you're doing because like that's how sociological change happens yeah um you are right and going going backwards a little bit i was talking about like coming up with some you know like i i feel closer to a solution than i was at one time yeah a lot of that is like through reading studying about prison abolition oh Um, yeah shout out to alan schultz yeah, <laughs> dude. Uh, dude, like, informed me about the topic uh, when I uh, had him on the show for the summer. Um, really, really fascinating, and also 
important as like it's a it's a it's a position you didn't realize you could take. But yeah, it was immensely immensely education educational and inspiring hearing from him doing that. I know he does a lot of work with that stuff. Yeah, I actually have not met him in person, but I, I you know, I know about some of his work. Yeah. Um Yeah, so it it's it's um I would say first of all, like uh I the the work of people like Miriam Kaba and so many other people that I've just like come to follow on Twitter, um have really given me like a lot of talking points and uh, to kind of make the case for it and also like recognizing it as a like abolition as an everyday practice. Um, but I'm definitely in a, in a position right now of like it's still a relatively like I, I, I'm definitely on super on board with it, but I, I in being relatively new to like trying to practice it, practice it, I definitely feel like living in my values is difficult sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, to to really, you know, abolition at its core is like really focused on on people and on giving people chances and on you know not not punishing people and not it's not it's not an easy it's not an easy vision to uphold um right but it's also something that i you know i i i definitely have been able to practice like in in ways in my life before i even recognized it as such and and i'm really grateful like you know talking about public hours again some of the some of the public hours staff are who are people in my life that I love and um, really kind of taught me a lot about treating, you know, I, there, there, were, there were situations where, like, I have made mistakes, I have messed up, and they always treated me in a way that was, like, you know, holding me accountable, but, like, not, you know, they were not going to throw me away. It was clear that, like, you know the love was still there and like, right. you know, they, 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 they still believed in me. They still wanted to invest in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can't just throw people away. Like it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's just not an option. And yeah, yeah that's, that's real. I, I, uh, totally, uh, sympathize and empathize with that because I've experienced a lot of the same this past year myself. Um, even taking it back even further, uh, you were saying earlier that you used to you got really involved in the music scene. Mm-hmm. That and in, in, in my own experience, um, getting involved in the music scene is what was also a huge mechanism that inspired me to make change in my community. Meeting the individuals that are making music about or poetry or visual art, photography, whatever the medium is, films. Um, Talking and meeting so many people, uh, entering spaces, uh, became in- immensely inspiring in knowing my place, you know, knowing when to talk and when not to. Mm-hmm. Passing the mic, of course, mm-hmm. uh, a topic that gets discussed a lot. Uh, and um, yeah, like knowing what your role is as a cis white man 
that has a platform and that like you know you have to like you know the the, the like kind of just sort of like sociologically what happens is like in order to like you know speak to people that um you know of your own identification um a lot of a lot of times it's like it has to come from you and you have to be the one to tell other white people um you know other cisgender people you know whatever whatever your identity is like telling them how we need to do better um and that uh that definitely became like you know, the more people I would meet, you know, like I, I have good friends at the River West Public House and, um, you know, good friends that are involved in the poetry scene here. Like mm -hmm. understanding that when I enter a space, people are going to feel unsafe because, you know, I'm, I'm a cis white man and, you know, like thanks to, you know, like whiteness in historical context like we've always dominated spaces um even when we're not even the majority there and just kind of like understanding that and not you know just like yeah just like understanding that not taking it personally and just using it as a way to like you know just to learn and listen, hear people, and uh, know what they need from you. Right. That has been... It's made me, like... Yeah, it, it's it's changed my life, too. Um, and... Um, and it's really empowering because, like, you know, you're, you're, we're, we're doing the right thing by society, by how history has wronged them. It's a, it's a gift to, to receive feedback. It really is. What you what you were saying about holding being held accountable but not being thrown away, like you know, that's that's real, man. Like I, I I've definitely felt that too. This I've been I've made plenty of mistakes myself. You know, like I was really ignorant. You know, for the you know I was I was very ignorant about a lot of issues mm -hmm. that I still am not fully educated mm -hmm. on. But that's that's okay as long as you you listen and learn, you know. So um, going into twenty twenty, uh, what do you look forward to with uh, the work that Lit is doing, and I guess like uh, how you hope to continue like on the ground here, like you know, yeah. making changes in your community. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we've grown quite a lot. I think at the time that I came on, I was the seventh staff person, and now we're at 11 and hiring for a number of positions. So our team is really growing, which means our, the work is growing. Um, definitely excited to continue the high school organizer work. Um, I think, like, you know, there was, there's, we've established ourselves in a, in a real way and, like, built a lot of relationships where I think, like, that's going to be able to continue mm -hmm. in a really positive way. Um, continue to see money divested from police incidents. Um, yeah. Nice shirt, by the way. Yes. <laughs> I, um, I love myself and hate police. This yeah. Shout out to, to Tasha. She's a, a singer from Chicago. I went to see... Uh, I went to I went to see a show about a week ago. Oh, awesome. This is this is her merch. Very nice. Yeah. She's she's like really amazing. 
Good. Uh, awesome. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, we're, you know, we're also going to be doing a lot of electoral canvassing in 2020. Um, there's a whole bunch of elections coming up. There, there's also we, a, a, another new leg of our, somewhat new leg of our work is cultural organizing, um, which sort of means just kind of meeting, meeting people where they're at in a new way, focused on artists and creatives. And so uh, hosting events, partnering with artists, um, focused on using, you know, you, the, the intersection of art and civic engagement, activism, kind of getting people in the room to see, you know, see some art, whatever it be, and... To sold as art the, itself. <laughs> from, from there, you know, using that as a platform to kind of get people civically engaged in some kind of way. Um, yeah, and... I'm I'm really only scratching the surface of like some of what what some of that will be, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's very exciting though. Um, something also I want to hear your thoughts on um, because it's uh, it's a difficult reality to face as uh, you put bluntly. Uh, the world sucks. Um, considering the bipartisan system, because you know many politicians are devious, whether they're conservative or liberal, you right. know, Republican or Democrat. A lot of Democrats are, you know, conformists to neoliberalism mm -hmm. and in such they still aim to benefit from capitalism despite the fact that, you know, the social justice uh, accolades are uh, slapped onto their, uh, you know, platforms and whatnot. Um, so with that reality that, you know, a lot of these, you know, even people that, you know, when we're, when we're talking about voting, we're talking about candidacy, candidacy, uh, that a lot of them just really, you know, even when they're the front runner of the of the party you identify closer with, like they're still not going to solve the issues that are you're passionate about, or that they're going to still keep much of the system intact mm -hmm. like where do you find hope in that <laughs> like I guess like what like how do you how do you I deal have, with that I have a lot more hope in people than I do in politicians I I think I'm, I'm you know regularly in conflict with myself in the way of like electoral politics matter to me in some way but I mean my you know, like you just, I don't have any faith in the system. I, I, I don't. And I think it needs to be deconstructed and something entirely new built. Um, with that said, how do I find hope? I, I, I find hope rather, rather easily. I mean, I think the, the work that I get to be a part of gives me hope almost sure. every day does every day um there you know i i there's there's a lot of really awesome work awesome things happening in milwaukee and i you know it's so many of my friends through public allies are involved in mm -hmm. you know other other awesome work happening throughout the city um and you know and also kind of 
I'm definitely a, a, an observer of what's what's going on in kind of movement work throughout the country, the world, um, and so so you know there's there's a lot of people are people are more. I think that seemingly there's there's a lot more movement happening in this. It, really, it, around the world right now mm-hmm. than there has been totally in recent years. Yeah. Um, with that said, there's uh, the you know it it seems that way, but um, someone you know that that I was listening to a podcast maybe a month or so ago, and there's someone talking about that it's interesting. Like we we definitely know the movement leaders of like the you know the 60s the 70s we know dr king we know malcolm x we know all those kind of folks Um, and there there are faces to those movements and then in between then and like basically like 2012 there's like people people think that like activism like wasn't happening or like you know they're because they're just in that period for whatever reason like there weren't as many faces to two mm-hmm. movements and I think like with you know the Black Lives Matter movement has really kind of sparked a whole a whole array of movements and yeah. leaders that are you know people people now know um, but you know I've been I've been trying to to study and fill in those gaps to learn about what what has been happening because I think you know it's we, we need to know history in order mm-hmm. to learn from Best practices, mistakes, all that. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, absolutely. A lot of these, a lot like that's a crazy thing. Like a lot of the things that uh, we find ourselves so passionate and vocal about today have yeah, been around decades, you know, centuries even. Um, the, the, the conversation about gender is one that you know. A lot of people our age, you know, millennials, like what have you, like people are starting to discuss the topic of gender, but really it's been a conversation, you know, since the dawn of time, like people were, you know, non-binary or they were two-spirit or they were, you know, identifying in such a way that wasn't, you know, entirely tied to what they were assigned at birth. Like, but now, like, you, you find ourselves, like, Everyone's talking about it now, um, but really, yeah, like that's been a topic of discussion, you know, for so much longer than you know we've given spotlight to, um, and that goes for many, many social issues. So, right, I mean, it's just like language has been given to it. Mm-hmm. It's like a really big part of it is platforming. Like, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that that's uh, that's a good point. Um, well, uh, yeah, man, uh, Evan, I'm glad that you're doing the work you're doing, uh, because, you know, you're, you're giving a voice to the voiceless, and, uh, you know, you're, uh, you believe in a better tomorrow for a lot of these kids, um, not only in our own city, but beyond, because a lot of these, you know, a lot of, like, the costs you're fighting for could greatly hold benefit for many parts of the world. So good for you, man. Um, I'm excited for, you know, the, con- the continued victories that I optimistically believe in. Um, like you, you mentioned earlier, give money to lit, 
um, you know, uh, organize more, you know, go to protests, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, uh, community organizing is a very powerful tool and that's the power of the people, not the politician. Yeah. So Evan, as we close out here, uh, tell me what keeps you up at night. Ooh. <laughs> that, was, that was a wild card. I was not expecting that. That's what we. I ask everyone at the end. I, I, I ask everyone, and it throws me off. It throws people off a lot. <laughs> um. To be honest, what keeps me up at night is like I, I, I think maybe I'm just really hard on myself and like in my values. But like, what keeps me up at night is like, am I? Am I practicing my values? Like, and how and how can I how can I do so better? That is that is what keeps me up at night. Um, yeah, full stop. And I, I wanted to, I just wanted to add to like kind of Go ahead. what you're. I feel I feel held up in a in a way of like you know this is this person is doing. Well, no, and, I, and, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah, I think regardless of like the way that you go about saying it, like you know whatever, and I just you know. I I, th- I think of a quote which is like, uh, which is something Marianne Cabo says, which is like, anything worth doing is done with other people, and I I, I firmly believe that, and I, I you know I don't I don't have I don't have heroes I don't you know I don't believe in no one person is you know no one person does it all themselves exactly so, you're an individual you know. But yeah, you have a team behind you. You have a team that you're a part of, and uh, yeah, man, yeah, like totally, like yeah, absolutely, like uh, it's a it's a collective effort, and uh, one that is, um, you know, the the everyone, every single person that's a part of that is uh, most definitely like valued for what they do and what they bring. But you know, right. everyone has credit with that for sure. Right. What puts you to sleep, though? Ooh. Yeah. Puts me to sleep. That's such an interesting question because I've never, you know, I've never thought of put to sleep, like, the thought of it in the way that, like in, in, the, in the way that I'm thinking of it now, yeah. of like, um, yeah. I think what puts me to sleep is, is the, Knowing that I can fail, and that's okay, and there'll still be a tomorrow, and yeah, yeah. You said it, man. That's uh, <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's real, man. Uh, I agree. Um, I I still fail all the time, but yes, there is a tomorrow. And that tomorrow is an optimism in my eyes. Um, hopefully everybody's. So nice being on the show, man. Thank you. You bet. Hands are cold. <laughs> um, thank you for the cake. Yeah. It was very delicious. It was yeah. really, really good, actually. It's rich. Yeah. <laughs> very rich. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, so check out Lit Leaders Igniting Transformation. Check out Public Allies. You know we're still going. Donate to Love on Black Women. Loveonblackwomen.com. It puts money directly 
in the pockets of black women here in Milwaukee who are so underappreciated and so many of our wonderful community leaders really the backbones of backbones of the city are black women go there donate yes absolutely much love um, thank you for watching Mr. Nice Guy we'll see you next time